Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so stinking happy that you are here. Today, I am bringing a guest to the show. One of my friends, her name is Corey Dover. And what I need to tell you about Corey is that, first of all, She's amazing. I'm going to tell you more about her in a second, but she works for the California Beef Council. And if you've been hanging out with me for any amount of time, you would know that I started my professional career at the Kentucky Beef Council, but I'm a California girl. So it just, you know, it was meant to be a friendship that was absolutely meant to be. So Corey Dover, she is the California Beef Council's registered dietitian, and she is a resident health professional providing evidence-based education, resources, and communication around beef nutrition. Y'all know I'm a beef girl. But, you know, I'm also pro-protein. So if you're not a beef person, I still love you. You still belong here. So keep tuning in. Corey is also the voice behind G-Free Corey, where she explores gluten-free and guilt-free living as a food lover and mom who happens to also be a registered dietitian with celiac. As Corey says, there is no one-size-fits-all model in health, nutrition, or with food. We create connections, celebrate, and honor our cultures with food, and eating well should not leave you unsatisfied and hungry. And most of all, food and eating should not be based on fear. Oh, can I get an amen? I am so excited to dive into this conversation with Corey and can't wait to tune in with you. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Corey. Hi, Kaya. I am so excited that you're here. Now, I recently saw Corey at a beef council meeting and I was like, Corey, we absolutely need to get you on the show. Corey, my first question for you is, aside from what you do professionally, I want to hear, how did you get into the nutrition world? Like, What's your backstory that got you to where you're at now? Yeah, it's a really good story, a really good question. So um, how did I end up in nutrition? It's kind of a long story, but not necessarily. So um, I would be considered a second career dietitian. I did not come out of school at high school knowing, hey, I want to do nutrition. I want to do any of this. But somewhere along my journey, things changed, and I really took this huge interest in nutrition. And I think the biggest shift in where I decided nutrition was kind of where I wanted to lie was when I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease, which was celiac. Um, And it was through my diagnosis of celiac that I realized that food wasn't what I once thought it was. I had all these questions. I now all of a sudden had to think about everything I came into contact with and how that affected my health, how that affected my lifestyle, like going out to eat, what I was purchasing, how that changed the dynamics of my family, genetically, how did that switch up to my children? And so I was really curious and I've grown up in the hospitality industry. And so I've worked on kind of every aspect of uh, the restaurant industry, catering. So I've been back of the house, front of the house, you name it. Some of my best friends are chefs. And so I always knew I wanted to go back to school and I thought I was going to be a chef. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go back and be a chef. But with that diagnosis and having to constantly think about what I was coming into contact with, I 
was curious. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to study nutrition. I'm going to understand everything. And then I'm going to be healthy and everything's going to be great. And that is not how it panned out. And I fell in love with nutrition and I fell in love with that story. And you really start to kind of think you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't as simple as I thought it was. It's not just in and out. It's just not just calories. It's not all of these things. There's so many nuances to it. And, um, I just fell in love with it. I just can't get enough of it. And also through that journey of like being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, I was really, really upset. I felt betrayed by my body. I felt just a mix of emotions going through all of that. And I was really like determined to like kind of figure it out. Like I'm going to get my nutrition on point. And then I also was like, you know what? I'm upset with the food system. I'm upset with what has changed in our food system that caused me to get an autoimmune disease that my body betrayed me. And so I was determined to figure it out. And I was determined to go and like, be like, okay, I'm going to change the movement. I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to answer these questions. And through that journey of like talking to farmers and ranchers and studying farming and studying agriculture and dietetics and nutrition and that whole combination, I was like, holy cow. We are so disconnected from where our food is. We are so disconnected from what food is. It's not just like I said before, in and out, right? It's so much more. And so when I kind of put all those pieces together and I, you know, I have a love for food. I have a love for helping people, talking to people. And I built it all together. I have a love for um, simplistic life. I was like, wow, the messaging of where food comes from, um, not being afraid of food, kind of answering those questions, really kind of teaching people that nuance of nutrition and things is how I ended up where I'm at. And I love it. And I wouldn't change a single thing about my journey. Even when it was hard, I wouldn't change a single thing. Mm. So that's in a nutshell how I ended up in nutrition. So cool. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's so neat to hear your story because it was kind of this curiosity that led you down this path and continued to kind of shift where in that path you ended up where you're now, you're a registered dietitian, but working for this agricultural commodity organization. So kind of blending those two passions and interests in such a beautiful way. I have so many questions that came into my head as you're sharing your story. Yes, ask away. I love questions. I know. I know. I'm like, oh my gosh. How long do we have on this podcast? I guess, I guess it's my podcast, so I decide. But okay, my first thing is there's something that you said that really jumped out at me. And it was, um, you know, you were diagnosed with your autoimmune disease and you said, I felt like my body betrayed me. Now, I want to dive deeper into that yeah. feeling because I thankfully, personally, do not have any autoimmune diseases that I'm aware of. Um, but I know that there's probably some listeners that do. And, you know, we talk on the show all the time about how to learn how to love and respect and appreciate our bodies and all of the ways. But I'm curious for you, what did that journey look like from for you and your relationship with your body as you felt like my body's betraying me in this way? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I wouldn't say it's it's a journey. It's a continual ever, every single day thing. Uh, when that, and I still struggle. I still struggle on a daily basis. I feel like I need to be really honest with that at times. Sure. That I feel robbed by certain things because my body decides like, hey, no, we're not going to play that game. Even though I have tons of health promoting behaviors. And so back then when I first started, I'd been in and out of the doctor for years complaining about things. And I was like, oh, this just must be me and my health issues. And so I was so intent on, okay, I have to eat right. I have to exercise. I have to do all of these things. And then as I 
get healthier. I can accept my body better and things will start working out. But it didn't work out that way. Things got worse as the healthier I got. And so that first diagnosis of celiac, like first autoimmune disease, you really do grieve. I remember going through the sure. whole grieving process um, because it does. It switches up your whole world. And then it's this this sorrow of like, what did I do so wrong somewhere in my life that would have caused me to have all these problems? So it was a really disappointment and it's, it's self-inflicted on myself, but that's not the truth at all. Like I didn't do this to myself. This is just the way my body is. Mm-hmm. And this is the card I got handed and I got to figure out how to do it. But it was, it was a lot of disappointment because I inevitably blame myself, but there's so many different things that go into it and learning to accept it is that journey, a daily, a daily journey. So yeah. Sure. Oh gosh. I love that because even, even me, I relate to that. Even though I don't have an autoimmune disease, I feel like I went through that process of feeling like, oh my God, it's not my fault or feeling guilty or something. And I feel like it's easy in a position like that. And there's lots of different ways that our bodies might betray us. People that are listening to this that might also have an aging body, right? They might feel like their body's betraying them. You know, they might not be able to do the same things they used to do, or maybe different things have changed with their bodies. And I feel like that grief process is real, but I also think how do we get ourselves out of the victim mentality with our bodies and become more empowered? And if I'm understanding your journey, right, then you pursuing nutrition was kind of your way of taking your power back. Is that right? Yes. So it was, it started out as that, like, I'm going to go and get that education, but it was actually, nutrition did empower me. It gave me that empowerment to do it. But yeah, it was through the journey of like, you know what, this is the card I got handled. This is who I am. My story is worth telling. Me representing myself and being honest is worth telling. You know what? We live in this society where we're built on societal norms of looking a certain way aesthetically. And what is pleasing, you know, here in America may not be the same somewhere else. And it's different from state to state as being somebody who's moved states, right? Just those different little things. And so learning to embrace who I was was definitely the journey of it. And I have realized through embracing, you know what, like I don't have a flat stomach. I'm not going to ever have a flat stomach. I'm not ever going to be certain things. Really, it was it was that journey of like slowly loving myself and slowly taking those moments and taking it day by day or hour by hour, however you want to do it, is what empowers me. And it's mm-hmm. thinking in those moments too, the more I embrace my authenticity, the more I embrace who I am, whether that's my personality, the clothes I want to wear, the job I choose to do, the foods I choose to eat or don't eat, the more authentic I am to myself, the more I embrace myself, the more the world seems to shine back at me, if that makes sense. And accepting that shining on me, I think is inevitably what gets me through the days. It's what makes me realize like, hey, my messaging out there is important. Who I am, who I'm going to see, like show my kids to grow up to be is important to me. So be who I am, like be misunderstood. Like I tell my kids all the time, it is far better to be misunderstood by some than to be liked by all. And it's that it was, it's that's, those are the pieces I've learned through nutrition. Those are the pieces I've learned of finding myself in something I loved. And so nutrition was my love, but like everybody has their own different thing. And that's what I love. It's the curiosity in people and those things that spark that to find your journey of what makes self-love okay and easy for you, right? And self-love looks so different on everybody. Empowerment looks so different. Nutrition looks so different. Mm. 
It's such a personal journey. Yeah. yeah. You know, something you said was, um, I take it day by day. I take it hour by hour. And I feel like, you know, I think that there's this idea of arrival when it comes to acceptance or love of our bodies inside and out. And that's not true, right? There's no destination. It's not like once I look a certain way, then I'll love myself. Like it's actually something that we get to actively choose every day or every hour, right? And some days it'll be harder than others. Some hours will be harder than others. And I love you being so honest and authentic about that because I think so many people that still struggle with it feel like there's something wrong or broken or that it's not working. It's like, nah, you're just a human and we all struggle. (laughs) And um, I just want you guys to, to know that if you're listening and you're hearing this, like, if you're if, if today's one of those days when you're struggling, like welcome to the club of being a human yes. and that's okay. But it's it's absolutely okay to have bad days. I think we need to like be more honest about the fact that we do have bad days. We do have bad moments. We do mm-hmm. have these days that feel daunting or like I mean, I'll be let's be completely transparent. I'm literally talking to my best friend before jumping on going, "Hey, I'm dealing with some imposter syndrome right now. I need that BFF." pep talk and she's like why and I'm like no I just I just sometimes just don't know that like who like I trust in who I am and so having like it's okay it's okay to have those moments I don't think it is when you when you stop worrying about those things or you stop not identifying with bad days bad moments I think is where you need to start to question yourself because it is it's inevitable we're human and those feelings are okay as long as we don't stay there and linger it's absolutely okay. Just like it's okay to eat cake, eat eat the cake and celebrate their birthday. Yes. Okay. Speaking of cake, let's get into some nutrition stuff. Before we, I've got a million questions for you, but you had mentioned that your autoimmune disease, um, the one you had mentioned was celiac disease mm-hmm. and I have some friends that have it. Can you simplify to us? What is celiac? Yeah. Um, celiac is where basically you cannot ingest gluten. So you're Wheat, barley, rye, and sometimes oats. So oats have to be certified gluten-free due to cross-contamination. But if you ingest gluten, um, you're basically ingesting poison into your body. So your body thinks it's exactly that. It's poison. And so it kind of goes in and it starts attacking itself. And you have, if you look up celiac disease, there's over 300 different signs and symptoms. So you can have any number of those symptoms from GI issues to headaches to you name it, it it can happen in celiac. So basically your body mistakes normal food that everyone else can eat as a poison and starts attacking you. And so it slowly but surely wears down that immune system and then you're more susceptible to getting sick. You're more at a higher risk of cancer, certain other things that really kind of destroys that GI tract. And so adherence to a gluten-free diet for the rest of your life is the only way to treat celiac disease. But also, I always like to point out this as a key factor too, as an autoimmune disease, celiac, you treat it by a diet. I Most of the time there's medications involved with a lot of autoimmune disease. And like the only other area is like if you're diabetic, you would treat it with a diet. Um, we do do a lot of diet disease stuff in the nutrition world, but like celiac is the only one with no medication where you only adhere to a diet. And so it's kind of amazing in itself as an autoimmune disease. But again, it's a lifelong journey. You're never going to go just eat gluten ever yeah. again. Yeah. I'm curious what your thoughts are about, because, okay, there's celiac disease, right? And there's gluten intolerance. And then there's also this like 
crazy fast growing trend of people eating gluten free for, you know, quote unquote health reasons. And yes. I say quote unquote because I think that there's, I'm curious from a nutrition professional, what are your thoughts about gluten free if someone is not celiac or it does not have a gluten intolerance? Do you think that? Gluten is, I feel like gluten is like the villain in this new story around food. Right? Yeah. Oh, it is. It totally, it's trendy. It's been trendy for a while. So, so there's, I have a couple different thoughts on this. If eating gluten-free, um, you personally feel like it does good for your body, I am not going to be the person to tell you not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's because, you know, you have non-celiac gluten sensitivity or this is just how you prefer to eat, that's totally fine. When we kind of filter it down and then I p- apply another lens on it as a dietitian and I look at gluten-free products, a lot of time gluten-free products aren't better. So bread doesn't tend to be full of the wonderful whole grains that we get from like normal bread. And so um, you tend to have a lot more simple sugars, reduced starches. So your products aren't necessarily better. So you may be skyrocketing your sugar level, your blood sugars and stuff like that. From a gluten-free product. So if you're just changing your lifestyle because you think gluten-free is healthier and you're subbing out a normal cookie for a gluten-free cookie, no, it's still it's still a cookie at the end of the day. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. on that aspect, gluten-free isn't always better. But if you personally think it does really well for you, then yes, absolutely. I will never tell you no. Um, we eat individually. The way I eat is very different than you, right? So I support that. I also support the people that do because it's made my life easier. I've gotten some really good gluten-free products out of it. I've been able to go to more restaurants and stuff like that, but it's such an individual thing. Um, It really just depends on the person. And so there's a lot of factors into it. If you really think you do have celiac, um, I strongly encourage you to go to your doctor and get a test done, have your blood work looked at, get an upper GI scope, you know, get some biopsies done to really make sure that you are healthy, you know, and then seek out a dietitian like myself or somebody out there to kind of help guide you through it because it's, it's a lot, it's a whole new way of thinking. So Mm -hmm. that's gluten-free in a nutshell. Um, Like I said, I appreciate people who have brought me the ability to enjoy more products that I didn't get. 10 years ago, it's been totally different. Sure. You know, I'm, I feel like there's a lot of people like myself who have had their fair share of yo-yo dieting over the years, right? We are inundated constantly with new diets all the time or old diets that are rebranded. And I was just going to say, are they good? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's constant. And I feel like I, I mean, I work with almost all the women I work with have been like, yeah, I've been on every single diet that's ever existed. And, you know, I'm curious as a, as a dietitian, your philosophy or thoughts around dieting um, in order for us to be healthier or nourish ourselves better is traditional dieting, which when I think of traditional dieting, I think a lot of the times traditional diets are eat this, don't eat that, cut this out entirely, only eat this or track this, count that. Do you think that dieting is the way to go in order to nourish ourselves better or is there a better way to approach it? Because the other thing is, is like, if diets worked, we wouldn't have to have tried 1,000 of them. <laughs> That's such a good question, Kaya. Um, I think it's the inevitable question that the vast majority of us in the nutrition world are constantly asking, is dieting the answer? And I think there's no actually correct answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on your goals. It depends on what mm. you want out of your health. If you're looking 
for weight loss and that's what you feel is going to be good. There are people out there, and I, I want to say this really cautiously, there are very good professionals out there that will support that goal and help keep you, you know, everything in mind, all the different aspects that go into health that you may not necessarily know. But a one-size-fits-all dieting approach, um, I don't support. So these typical big yo-yo dieting programs that Mm -hmm. typically maybe like rebrand themselves every handful of years, Mm -hmm. they're created not to be a sustainable long-term thing. And so if you cannot keep that lifestyle up, long term, it will never be sustainable. So you'll never see it and you actually end up with more health complications. Mm -hmm. So it's all about your personal goals and a good health professional, a good personal trainer too. I really want to call that one out. A very good personal trainer um, will work with you on your goals because that's what's important and finding ways to support that. So as a dietitian, my philosophy when I work with clients is never about what can I remove out of your diet. So that's what a lot of dieting does it's we're going to remove all of this stuff like you said right you got to eat this not that and do it this and you got to move your body this way but it is not about what i'm going to remove out of your diet what can i add into your diet mm. so how can i support you by adding things into your diet and still allowing you to function in your every single day life and be sustainable in supporting your health goals so that's my stance on that. And some people disagree that we should not be dieting at all. And other times, you know, people are all for it. So I really think it's dependent on the person and the goals. Yeah. And losing weight doesn't make you bad. I feel like there's a lot yeah. of this, like, no more like, oh, you shouldn't lose weight. But no, do whatever ha- makes you happy. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so interesting, too, because I find myself so caught in the middle sometimes. I feel like I'm on this never-ending journey, too, right? Like, when I started my health journey, I was obviously, I was on, like, actively working to lose weight because that's what made me feel my healthiest and my best. And now I'm in this place of like, oh gosh, like I want to help support women, but I don't want to support them telling them like your main goal and purpose is to lose weight. Now I'm like, my goal when I work with women is, and also I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a personal trainer. My goal is how can we learn to rebuild our relationship with ourselves, um, understand ourselves better, do this mindset work so that we can approach these health behaviors from a place of self-love. And if you lose weight in that process, awesome. And if you don't, that's fine too. And so I think that what we see now, and it's it's so interesting to kind of unpack and I find myself kind of caught up in the jumble is on one end, you have these people that are all about weight loss. And on the other end, there's all these people that are like anti-weight loss and it's so polarized. And I'm like, it can be, it can be an interesting interesting waters to navigate for sure. It, it is. And these are conversations we do have in the nutrition world as health professionals. We're constantly, is it okay to be telling people to lose weight? Is it not okay to that? Should we not mm-hmm. like, so these are con- like conversations we have in our world, right? And it's yeah. that happy, happy medium, right? And I am a huge believer in, it is a personal preference. It is what you mm-hmm. need, you know, it yeah. is never about what I want to push or, you know, it's always about that other person. So it's learning those things. So what you're doing, like your work, teaching that, really working through those things, it's really empowering and good for the whole process, good for health promoting behaviors, because you do, you have to learn to work through those things. And yeah, it's amazing. So we're all important to each other and it's individual. I think as long as we yeah. continue to preach a message of individuality, yeah, it's where success will be. I love that. And I think it's so helpful because I think that for years we've thought, well, just tell me what I need to do, what I need to eat to lose weight or to do this. And it's like, 
your body and my body, we could eat the same things, we could do the same things, but we're totally different. We have totally different genetics, totally different environments, totally different cultures, totally different access to things. And food is personal. It's so personal. Yeah, girl, girl, it's food is so beyond like it's it's so personal. Like I always tell people, like, if nutrition were that simple and we all needed to be a certain size for health, we could we feed you supplements. You take so many supplements and you get all your macros. So you got your protein, carbs, like all your micronutrients. We could do that. But the thing is, we eat for pleasure as humans. We eat for pleasure. We eat for connectivity, culture, all of those things because it's such an important piece of us. So that's a huge piece of the mm-hmm. food element that people forget. But it's yeah. one that we have to learn to embrace and be a part of all of our stories, right? Because it's a piece of who you are. How many mm-hmm. times do we celebrate with food? How many times do we get together and embrace our cultures as a family mm-hmm. with our food? So yes, absolutely what you're saying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I've always said, you know, you talked earlier about sustainability when it comes to like, you know, these diets or whatever your lifestyle changes are going to be. And I think, you know, what I've always said is if you aren't willing to give up cake for the rest of your life, then learn how to eat cake guilt-free. You know, I feel like there is this concept of good and bad foods. Eat this, not that. And I don't think it's helpful labeling food with morals, like bringing morality into food, I think is so much more harmful than it is helpful. Yeah. Well, just think about how like if the moralistic of, of food, it drives me crazy. But if what we shame may be something that's very important to some other culture, you know, and what the way we do things or something. Like, so we just really have no place to kind of point our fingers and wag at people. Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's such what we find important, what they find important. It's all different. So, yeah. You know, for myself, I have discovered the concept of intuitive eating. And for me, that feels really in alignment with me because I also see that intuitive eating, it is individual based. And it's, I feel like what I love about it is it's, it's less looking outward of what, tell me what I need to do. And it's more of learning how to learn how to listen to our bodies, learning how to notice how certain foods make us feel, learning how to understand our hunger cues again. Tell me, what are your thoughts about intuitive eating? I love intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is amazing. Um, And the pioneers behind intuitive eating, big fans of theirs. Um, Intuitive eating is just that, right? Like you said, it's an individual thing. It's learning to kind of take yourself back to like the toddler years, right? If you look at children, they inevitably know when to kind of stop eating and what they want. And like some days they may eat more and other days they don't. And it's, it's instinct. It's like, it's in us. And then somewhere along the lines of growing up, we change and we kind of all of a sudden dysregulate away from our body. And so intuitive eating, I think, brings us back to that. It brings us back to that, like, oh, okay, like on a hunger full scale, where am I kind of lying at? Or maybe it's learning like, oh, maybe I am, need, like maybe I need to sit with that emotion a little bit more mm. instead of, you know, and process it and acknowledge it and be like, okay, I feel uncomfortable right now. And then work through that and then kind of see, like, are there certain things? So intuitive eating is a big portion of how I choose to you know, work with my clients and stuff like that. I also believe in, I don't know if you know, health at every size. Yes, girl. Let's talk about that. What is, what is health at every size? Yeah. It means it's just like what we've been talking about, right? Like health looks different for everybody and what you consider healthy may be different than my consideration of healthy. And it's, it's, there's no one size fits all in anything. And that's what that whole 
haze alignment is. And that's how I choose to function, not only as a health professional, but as an individual, um, that we all, we're all healthy in different manners. So I feel like I have to ask the question. When we talk about health at every size, it makes me think of this cartoon that I saw a while back. I loved it. It was this, it was this poster, this like vintage looking poster that had all these different fruits on it. There was like, you know, a banana, an apple, a watermelon. And the banana was looking at the pear being like, oh my gosh, I I wish I had those curves. And the watermelon's looking over at the grape being like, I wish I was smaller. And the apple's looking over at the banana thing. I wish I was taller. And it's all like, y'all, we're all different freaking fruits. Like what makes you the healthiest, most delicious is not going to look like your neighbor or the person next to you. But I also wanted to ask you, growing up, I remember in PE, we all – got weighed and we were given a graph that had BMI and we had to calculate what our BMI number was. And recently, Corey, I went to the doctor and I love my doctor and you know, you know, it's part of the routine, you get weight or whatever. And they, my doctor never mentioned anything about weight, never mentioned anything about needing to lose weight or anything. But I noticed on my printout summary, it had my BMI number on there and the category and things of that nature. And I want did you- Did it trigger you? It did. It brought okay. back a lot of- thoughts of, you know, like it took me back to my inner child, especially my high school self. Okay. And I'm curious for you, what are your thoughts about BMI? Is it helpful or is it crap? Um, just blatantly, I think it's crap. Um, (laughs) I think it's total crap. It if you know the history of the BMI, it was started for statistics reasons to kind of categorize and look at communities as a whole. And somewhere in the long, like I won't bore you all and get on my little soapbox about the BMI, but like somewhere in the mix of it all, it turned into more of a coding slash way to kind of get money sort of deal. And Mm -hmm. so when I look in, in my So the BMI, I'm not a fan of the BMI, but do I realize it's a part of the process? Absolutely. And when I look at weight and I, weight is a tool. It's one tool in my toolbox. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is not the best thing. It is not my favorite thing in the toolbox when I'm looking at everything. It is a piece of that toolbox. And so when it comes to weight. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And so can it, the cool thing about weight is if we track your weight enough, right? If you happen to come in and you drop a significant amount of weight in a short period of time, I'm going to be like, red flag, why all of a sudden did you just drop all this weight? Or if you put on all this weight, right? Like if you drastically start losing weight and something's going on, that could be a sign of cancer. That could be a sign of so many different things that are going on because cancer takes a ton of energy. It uses a ton of calories and stuff like that to grow. So like that's a that's a flag to me to look further into things. So it is a tool in my toolbox. So I believe, sure, let's record weight, but I don't think they should ever be put on um, post-summary patient care. Um, I don't think the doctors should discuss it with you unless you give them the permission to discuss your weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a personal thing. And it's like, look at Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? His BMI has got to be ridiculous but he's solid muscle right so it doesn't it doesn't compute so my body type looks different so trying to fit us into these narratives of bmi drives me nuts um and it it does it triggers us it triggers it sends me into spirals even though i logically know you know like hey all of this stuff i'm a health professional it still will catch me off guard at times when i see my summary and i'm like what? Like, that doesn't matter though, you know? So BMI is a joke, but just remember it's a piece. Like, don't put all your weight into it. Yeah. So that said, I'd love to hear in your opinion, you know, because there's there's women in my community who 
the scale is it, it triggers them, right? And I know that it's it's a point of data, right? And I think learning how to to remove emotion from the scale is great, but some people just aren't there yet, okay? And mm-hmm. I'm like, get rid of it get rid of the scale right now. Okay. Cause it's, yeah. it's doing more harm than good. You might be feeling great. And then you get on the scale and one number can totally throw you for a spiral. So from a registered dietitian perspective, what are some other ways that we can measure health and progress aside from just our mass? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. There's so many different ways to tell success. Um, and if you're moving forward, so let's just talk about movement, right? Movement doesn't need to be in the form of strenuous exercises or in the lifting strong weights. Movement can be just walking around. Movement can be parking your car further away and walking to the grocery store. So those small little things add up. And so maybe you notice like, okay, like my daily walk used to be more effort. And then I, but you know, it gets easier and easier. So in time, Mm -hmm. little things like that kind of add up. Or maybe you're noticing like, yeah, I'm able to be more intentional in the moment and enjoy the moment and not worry so much about what's on my plate. So it's finding the little things in those type of things. And really, I always ask my clients not to weigh themselves. So I, I do not have a scale in my house. I refuse to bring a scale in my house. I have not had one for years. So the only time I ever know my weight is when I'm from a doctor's appointment. And I choose to do my best to disregard it because I don't like, like you said, it does trigger people and people, some people can't let go of it. So I try to find things for my clients or myself that are going to be more successful. Like I was really bad about breakfast for years. And so, you know, learning to find breakfast and, and enjoying those moments is those type of success with your relationships or you know, like, Hey, this is more successful. I walked around the block and I wasn't out of breath or I was able to take my dog for a three mile walk or you know, or maybe I was able to go do something that I didn't want to do before, or I can do, or I feel more confident doing. So it's finding those types of things, or maybe you've just added more broccoli into your life. I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's completely fine. Maybe the broccoli is covered with cheese. I don't really care, but you ate broccoli and yeah. you know, like that is a sign of success. If you weren't, you know, if, if you remove it away from your aesthetics, the way you look, do you mm-hmm. feel better? Are you able to do more? Are you working on things? Um, like we were saying earlier, like it, you'll you'll have bad days, but that's okay. You'll have days where the last thing you think about is nutrition and you feel like you failed, but you didn't. Like I said, did you eat the broccoli? Yay, that's one success. So it's finding the little measurable things in your daily life um, mm. and counting those as success, not like, well, I only did this. Count it as success. Count the little yeah. things as success because that's important. Um, and that does weigh into your overall well-being outside of your body mass index. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in. It is so special to have you here, but I wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you like hearing from me? Not just in this way on the podcast, but what would you think about getting a little bit of sunshine into your inbox every Wednesday morning? That's exactly what I send to everybody that has signed up for my email list. Every Wednesday, I let you know what the new podcast is that's dropping. I also give you free resources, books I'm reading, quotes I'm loving, recommendations, and just whatever thoughts are stewing in my brain. And I'd love to have you hang out with me over there. You can click the link below to sign up for my email list, and I would love to see you in your inbox. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit here. You know, when it comes to food, 
we talk about it being personal. I think all of us have our different food philosophies. I want to share with you a frustration that I have because I want to pick your brain about it. I feel like one of the other things that is really trendy, and I'm not against it, but I feel like we always hear this conversation around local food and eat local. Of course, I think it's great to eat local, right? Like I love going to my local farmer's market. I love supporting my local community. However, I think one of my frustrations is I come from California, okay? We produce most of the fruits and vegetables for the rest of the nation, okay? It is easy for me to eat local because we grow everything locally and year-round, right? It's easy for me to say, eat local food. But then when I think about us preaching this eat local thing, and I think about people that live in the middle of the Midwest during a blizzard, I feel like there's um, a little, I don't, I don't know if the word is privilege or like we aren't considering access of other people or budgets of other people. I guess I'm, I'm curious in your opinion, um, when it comes to food philosophies, how do, how do we navigate these food philosophies in a way that doesn't shame other people that, that maybe can't afford to eat local or believe that, oh, if I'm not buying organic, then I must not be feeding my family the best option. Right. Like, yeah. You're full of great questions. No, yeah, the whole organic, local, um, I think you kind of hit it. It's a mix of everything. But yeah, a lot of times it is rooted in privilege. And I think people often forget that. And so we tend to go in with anecdotal evidence, which is basically your self story, right? Um, This worked for me, I buy only organic and my, you know, XYZ happened and I'm so much better, right? But the reality is, there are people who can't afford organic and organic doesn't make it more nutritionally dense. Local doesn't make it more nutritionally dense than maybe your conventional farming practices. Um, and access to food. I'm very, 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 very passionate about access to food. And I believe food is a right. I really do. And so I think it's always coming back and looking at our internal biases and kind of being like, okay, this is how I choose to eat, but you know what? Maybe they can't, maybe you know, they can't do that. Or like you said, maybe you're in the Midwest and it's the middle of winter and you want something and it's out of season, you know, you just got to come from a can and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that. Nutritionally, it all equals out to be the same. So it's looking at our own biases, but yeah, access to food, I think is really, really important. And so shaming it or blaming and thinking as a system, as a food system, we need to change things to, because that's how we're going to fix the environmental problems or that's how we're going to address things, I think is completely left. Like it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So I like, I eat canned vegetables. I eat local foods, but I also like going to my grocery store to grab a thing of milk. It's, it's there. We need both conventional farming and organic farm. Like I will get on my bike and ride two miles down the road and pick up the best strawberries I've ever had in my entire life from this cute local farm. But I'm also going to the grocery store because I prefer peaches in a can or, you know what I'm saying? So like there's, it's important that we feed young kids. It's important that we feed those who don't have access to food. And it's not going to be by only pushing organic and locally sustainable ways. So how do we feed a city like San Francisco, right? What is considered local in San Francisco? There's no definition to local. There's no definition to a lot of these trendy words going around sustainability right now. And so how do we define those? What are we doing? And like, is that the correct way that we're going to feed 
our local population? What about the world? Like, how are we going to, yeah. what about, you know, think about Ukraine right now and those people who need some aid getting food? Like, you have to think about it in very systematically different mm-hmm. ways. But agriculture as a whole, and I'm sure you feel this way too, is I think very misunderstood on all the practices. Even GMOs completely misunderstood. I agree 100%. And I think for me, what I always come back to is I am so grateful that we have choices, right? And some of us have access to more choices, um, depending on our environment, where we live, how much money we have. But at the end of the day, I think that... um, But what about, wait, can I add into that? Time. What about time? People forget time, right? Convenience foods. Yes. Yes. And so I think a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, you have to like cut that all by yourself and cut up the lettuce and like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, like convenience food can be like, it can be completely fine. Like... I think a lot of times people forget about the time factor and how important it is because if I drive, right, I have, I can drive, but if I'm taking the bus, that's probably going to take more time out of my life. Um, I'm probably, maybe I don't have a car, so I'm carrying my groceries on the bus and I won't be able to purchase as much. So that time factor is a very big one. So sorry to interrupt you, but I was like, oh, we got to add that piece in there. No, that's such a great point. Such a great point. You know, I talk about how the show is called Climbing with Coach Kaya because I feel like we're all climbing some mountain, right? Whatever that may be. And when I asked you, Corey, what mountain it is that you're climbing, you shared with me that the mountain you are always climbing, the never-ending mountain is dispelling misinformation around food. And like, let's be honest, it can be so overwhelming. If, if the average consumer, you know, we don't, we, we don't have a degree in nutrition, right? We don't have a degree in agriculture. The average, the average consumer does not. And so all we have is what we see on a label or on a box and, oh my gosh, they're like, Marketing is, is greenwashing. Yes. Oh my gosh! Like, how <laughs> how do we navigate the noise? As someone who doesn't have a degree in agriculture, doesn't have a degree in nutrition, how do we know how to navigate that? Oh, it's such a good question. I think the biggest thing would be like seeking out those of us kind of in the field mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. finding those um, important as you know, let's deem it influencers, as people say. But um, it's not just on social media either, right? You can go and find simple information on social media, but it's finding those who are in the field, right? So people like you who have that front row seat, I believe farmers and ranchers are the best place to get um, agricultural information when it comes to nutrition. Uh, It's finding us credentialed health professionals uh, on nutrition and kind of following us there or looking at our blogs or what we're doing and looking for that information or where we work. Um, to find that. But yeah, it's a never ending, a never ending battle of misinformation. I think too, just as a consumer, it's to be curious, be curious about what's on your packaging, right? Like it says this, but what does that really mean? So it's, it's kind of that curiosity. So I always like to call myself um, curious George in a ways, because almost everything I've done in my life has come from a question. And so it's kind of spiraled into it. So being curious about what's on that packaging and looking and being like, okay, I have a question and not being afraid to ask, because if you have a question, there's likely a thousand other of you. And then like, oh yeah, let's answer this question for you guys. Let's help that. Um, it's paying attention to those things. It's, it's trusting the right people, which is really hard to do, I think at times, especially in our, our era, but it's not easy in knowing that. And then be curious and go, seek out the information and look for the red flags with the 
with the people who are selling you something. So if it is claiming to be, you know, an easy fix or you just need to do that or you need, you know, they're basing it in fear. So if there's ever any packaging or someone's trying to do anything and they're basing it in fear. So they're scaring you like if you consume this red dye or if you so common, right? I work for the beef industry. Oh my gosh, if you eat red meat, if you eat beef, your saturated fat, you know, your cholesterol, you're going to have a heart attack. You're uh, killing the earth because cows are so bad. If you believe that, if people, because they're basing it in fear, they're scaring you into making a decision. So if it all ever, that bubbles up when you're looking at packaging or food and you approach it with curiosity and be like, why? Like, and kind of go look and find those answers. And there's plenty of really good people out there with really good information these days and companies. Like, you know, if you're looking for beef information, come to me, calbeef.org. Yeah. And I love that you said the credential thing because, you know, I think some people would say like, I'm an influencer, right? And I get questions all the time about nutrition and what should they be eating? And I'm like, um, hello, I am not credentialed. Like I, I don't give nutrition advice because I don't know you or your body or, you know, like I, I don't have I don't have the credentials to be able to give that advice to you. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who do give that advice that aren't credentialed very freely. And um, I just, I think it's important that we seek out reputable people. And sometimes even navigating that can be difficult. So I appreciate that insight for sure. Now, this is, uh, I have a curious question for you, Corey. Now, people are listening to this. They cannot see you. Um, (laughs) Maybe they can, they'll see you in in the podcast um, episode cover art, but... The beautiful Miss Corey has got one arm sleeve of tattoos. My question for you is this. When I first, so I grew up on a ranch, um, but when I first got my job at the Kentucky Beef Council, I had a nose ring. And I found out later on that I almost didn't get the job because I had a nose ring because it was just like, I don't know. Might be like, I don't know if she'll fit in with us. My question (laughs) for you is, you know, you work with a lot of consumers, but you also work with a lot of ranchers. What is, has any, have any ranchers been like, not sure what to think about you because you have tattoos. Like it's not as common in the um, ranching world, you know. I'm I know, right? I know. If you look, like, I don't know if you can see in the video, but I also have my eyebrow pierced. Typically, yeah. it's out. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, I am fully sleeved in a tattoo, and I I'm very conscious about my arm, and so I tend to. Um, when I interviewed for the position, my sleeve was not done, but I did have tattoos on my forearm and I will cover them up. And when I walk into places, I cover them up, especially if it's the first time. But I have not had any single rancher or farmer. And they, I think more often than not, I'm more worried about coming into events like that when it's yeah. mainly um, that community because I do. I come in, I'm kind of, uh, you know, the, in the office, they call me rough cuts. I always like to kind of joke, I'm rough around the edges, but um, that's authenticity, you know, is what made me. And so, and if you look at my arm, if you guys ever do like kind of run into me, I get questions about all the time, but I'm covered in flowers and vegetables (laughs) and fruit. So I've got like (laughs) strawberries and like carrots and blackberries and orange slices and avocado and a squash, you name it. I'm covered. Like, so it just kind of lends itself to like, here's this nerdy little nutrition girl Uh who like loves to talk agriculture and nutrition. And I'm just covered in fruits and vegetables. Like it's very much who I am. So I love it. it goes back to that, just embracing my authenticity. Yes. Um, I think is what it really, I think it helps who I am. It softens people to me really quick. So people feel more comfortable to kind of open up, which is good. Okay. Now I have another question. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever get um, a beef tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> 
I get this question all the time. I have like one little spot on this arm. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say like if there's anything I've learned in my life is never say never. Um, So I'm not going to say never, but maybe, yeah, if it's, if it fits in, I mean, I do still have a whole other arm. You never know. Never know. I mean, if you want to design it, let me know. Oh, oh, wait, I could, you know, actually, fun fact, I actually have one of my friends, Michelle, she works for the Arkansas Cattlemen. So if Michelle's listening to this, she reached out to me and commissioned me to um, design a tattoo. It's just the word grace in script, but it's my handwriting tattooed on somebody else's body. So you know, maybe this could be my little thing on the side, Corey. Side Let's hustle, chat. side hustle to your millions of other side hustles. Like you're busy enough, Kaya. <laughs> like I need one more thing. Man, you know, I used to joke with people. I'm like, if I ever got a tattoo, I'm just going to get like the USDA prime stamp tattooed on my butt cheek. I think that could be a good vibe, like a fun party trick. Like I have one margarita too many and I start showing yes. people my prime butt cheek tattoo. Oh, that's okay. awesome. I might have to steal that one from you. Oh my God. We can get matching butt tattoos. Corey, I love this for us. Dude, I'm for it. I'm for it. Like once you get your first tattoo though, it's addicting. That's it's what like, I've heard. That's what I've heard. Super oh my gosh. addicting. I don't yeah. have any tattoos yet. And again, I'm never going to say never. I just haven't decided what I want enough. To, oh, Kaya, to hit me body. up, girl. I'll take you for your first tattoo. I, I oh love gosh. doing that. I took my cousin, my mom, like Oh everybody. my gosh, my husband's going to listen to this. Like, you are not allowed to hang out with Korea anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you eat, eat no beef council meetings anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it so much. I love it so much. Um, you know, one more question for you, or maybe a couple more, but Corey, yeah. working in the nutrition space and now being in this this space when you get to connect with farmers and ranchers and build these like beautiful relationships with them and also connect consumers to that demographic as well. What's one thing that you would just want that you wish consumers would understand about the people who are raising the food for their tables? Just one thing? I know, no pressure. I mean, you can say multiple things, but. I think it's it's realizing that, like, y'all are just like them on the other, like, you're just mm. raising the food, <laughs> you yes. know? Um, it doesn't just show up in the grocery store. And it's a day in and day out process. Um, and I think there's just this misunderstanding that, like, farmers and ranchers get into the business because it's like a get rich quick. And, like, they're in the back with the scientists, the evil scientists, and they're like, oh, we're going to, like, cover the crops and chemicals and we're going to do all of these horrible, mean, evil scientist things. But that's not the reality at no. all. Mm-hmm. Um, at all. So, so far from that. And so it's just getting to know them. Like, they take such pride and ownership and, like, the stockmanship and a lot of the, like, I'm just always blown away and how well they do know these industries and what they're growing and the best way to do those things. Like they are amazing. And I think we need to see more farmers and ranchers telling their story and like opening up and doing those type of things. Yes. Cause it needs to be told. And I, I, I mean, man, do I have like one of the coolest jobs? I get to travel around California talking about the things I love, which is food and nutrition and cooking. But I also get to meet some of the coolest people across the state in little areas that people wouldn't even think about and meet these families. And when I approach it with curiosity and I hear their stories, I'm just like blown away that I'm lucky enough to witness and be a part of the whole part of it. Like I get to see these families. I get a little piece of them and I get to like go and tell their story to people. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. And so I think it's just realizing like these are people too and they love what they're doing just like so-and-so loves what they're doing. So. And I think like, you know, we talked 
I feel like the theme of this is how personal food is. And I think too, when you, when you get to meet people behind it, it makes it that much more special. When you look at a plate, you don't just see a plate anymore. You're like, wow, there was so much love and care and, and science and research and like that went into this thing that I'm blessing my body with. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing, but I I'm with you. You know, that's the reason why Courtney and I started our Backroad Cowgirl show is like, we're like these stories are so amazing. And I recognize that not everybody has the time, energy, or interest in, you know, being this public facing person to share that story. And so if I can help be a part of that storytelling process, especially since I'm not as involved on the ranching day-to-day side of things anymore, I just think at the end of the day, people connect with people more than anything. And I think that if we If we approached everything in life with the curiosity that you've approached the world with, Corey, I think this world would be such a more beautiful place. And I love that so much about you. Thank you. Before we wrap up, where can people connect with you or learn more from you or the work that you do? Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, I like to live in a little world where I believe nobody knows I exist, but that's not true. Um, you can find me um, at gfreecory.com. So that is my all things, you know, gluten-free, guilt-free kind of do. I do take clients there. I have, it's full right now, but you can find me on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, you go to my website there. Um, you can always find me at um, California Beef Council. So you can check us out either on, well, you can find us, you know, Cal Beef on all the social medias. You'll see me. I do a lot of consumer forward facing things. So I talk about the nutrition and beef. And you can always catch our stuff there at calbeef.org backslash nutrition. And we have all that information. And I love connecting with people. So if you want to like, you know, call me, send me an email, DM me on, you know, social media, send a smoke signal. It will eventually get to me. (laughs) Um, I would love to chat with people or steer people, you know, like maybe I'm not the best fit for you or maybe you don't like the content I create, which is fine. Let me steer you towards somebody that's more fitting for you or let me connect you with the right people. So find me in one way or another. I'm always there and around, you know, hopefully hanging out with Kaya, getting a tattoo sooner than later. Yeah, butt tattoos. Woo. (laughs) The other thing I'll say too is if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not in California. Let me tell you, Corey's network is vast. I think all registered dietitians know each other. Um, So she definitely- We do, we do know enough. Yeah. So, and I'm all over the United States. So if you guys happen to ever run into me at a conference or be like, oh, I listened to that one podcast and then they talked about that girl with a tattooed arm and vegetable. If you see me, please come stop and talk to me. Um, I love it. Yeah. And I love everything. So whether you're in a field or at a conference or you're just sitting at your computer like this, like love to chat with people. Love it. Um, Before I let you go, Corey, is there anything else that you want to share with my listeners? Well, first off, Kai is pretty awesome. I think you guys should all know how amazing she is. So friendly and welcoming. Um, I just think you're great in person. So for all those people who've never met Kai in person, she's so lovely. Just, you know what? I Hopefully you guys go out there and just approach the world with curiosity um, and realize that, like, you know, you don't have to have all the answers um, and that's okay. And just go look for the answers, look for the things and don't be afraid of your food. And if you are, come find me or one of, you know, Kaya, let's work through your like those things. Let's get you connected to the right people. But yeah, food is enjoyable and lovely and such a big piece of us. Just remember that. Just remember that, like life is worth living. So, you know, don't forget to be in the moment. 
Ooh, I love that. Eat the cake. Eat the cake. Unless you, you can't eat cake, then you know. Unless you can't eat the cake, then get the kind of cake you can eat. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Corey, I just love you to pieces and I appreciate you so much for taking the time to join me and share your heart and your philosophy and your wisdom with my listeners. Y'all go connect with Corey online. Um, there are some really great resources. The Beef Council also has some bomb recipes and more stories about ranchers in California and beyond. So Thank you again so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Miss Kaya. Thank you all so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. We'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.